Do you mind if I ask you something? Go ahead. How long has it been since you've taken that off? Yesterday. I mean, in front of someone else. I wasn't much older than they are. You haven't shown your face to anyone since you were a kid? No. I was happy that they took me in. My parents were killed, and the Mandalorians took care of me. I'm sorry. This is the way. Let us know if there's anything you need. Thank you. What's up, everyone? It is me, Albert, and this is episode four of Star Wars Mythology. And I just finished watching episode four of The Mandalorian, Sanctuary. I'm speechless. I'm more speechless about this episode than I've ever been about anything Star Wars, and that is not an exaggeration. Um, I find it appropriate that episode four really works for how mind-blowing this was <laughs> because you know episode four came out uh in 1977 and so that number four had some kind of magic power here bryce dallas howard is just beyond awesome <laughs> as a director this was such a beautifully laid out episode as we know with tv it's about how everything is executed uh, and guided and i was um watching something yesterday that discussed how everything comes down ultimately to um one direction you know it's it's a you know a, an episode is is um it's almost like a small monarchy you know or a small uh, organization it's like everyone is contributing to this one executed vision and that's that that's fantastic it means everything is just this honest expression because the way that works with storytelling is that ultimately it is one person viewing another person's work. And so when you craft something from the point of view of how one person is going to experience it, there's nothing more authentic than crafting it uh, from the point of view of one person. And you can tell that this had Bryce's uh, knack and essence as a, as a director um, and as a creative and as an actor, you can tell that she, she, could, she poured all of her um, uh, strength, all of her wit, all of her compassion into this as as a person. And I'll say it as a human being and as a woman, definitely. It, it just had this beautiful feeling all throughout of just, um, you know, being true to life because uh, there were some really awesome t twists and turns as well. Uh, it didn't feel played out like a fairy tale of some kind, even though there were some beautiful and really heartwarming fairy tale moments. Um, there was some gripping moments, but anyway, let's dive right in. So that person who I was speaking about um, just now about, uh, you know, one one person's vision being the best way to, to execute something. And that's why episode four back in 77 hit so well, because it was, even though there was this collaborative aspect, it was, you know, born forth by this one man, which was George Lucas. So with Bryce, you can tell that happened here. And that person uh, who I'm quoting is, is George Miller. He was discussing this um, about uh, Death Stranding, actually, which is another podcast I host, Death Stranding podcast, but um, that's that. And this is this. And oh my goodness, is this this? So, um, so right, right, literally, I uh, I just finished watching it. I, I plugged my earphones from my from my TV into my computer. I grabbed the microphone, and so this is actually going to be um, a discussion about episodes one through four, uh, which, if you add them all together, basically create a, a short film or, or or like a film length. So it's like four sets of. Um, a short film's length, because, you know, usually you go over the two hours with, with most films. Um, I think so. Uh, at least, or yeah, because I'm always looking at those minutes, because people, for some reason, there's like, um, they do the run times, 160 minutes, all these things. But this feels like a beautiful arc. And if I were to adapt, um, you know, uh, the Mandalorian to film, or rather edit it into a film, the first four episodes would really fit that way. Um but even more than episode four, that symbolism, even more than like all of that. Uh, basically, I made an accord with myself with podcasting that I will literally only ever podcast if I am like 
completely pulled to do so like physically pulled and and after this this was the first episode where i just i mean i had the everything set up as well you know nearby i've got my microphone which kind of reminds me of the mandalorian's um rifle um because <laughs> it's like kind of heavy and it's like my weapon <laughs> my podcaster's weapon and so I'm, I'm gonna post a photo later of my whole setup um on star wars mythology but yeah a true testament to bryce and this is almost gonna just be addressing bryce directly essentially because of you can just tell everything came together with this now obviously um you know everyone contributed there was a you know obviously there's uh david dave filoni Shout out to the Lothcat <laughs> in in you know in the settlement uh, in the I'll just say like maybe the diner. Um, so I have a particular <laughs> I'm I'm freaking out. Am I uh, yeah okay. It's an Albert tradition. When I'm that stoked, I actually stand up while while podcasting. So I'm holding my laptop with my right hand, and I'm holding this stupidly heavy Sure SM7B uh, with my left hand. But anyway, um, so I have a particular fondness for the Pacific Northwest as like an ecosystem right um and like an environment and <laughs> wow i was not expecting to get this emotional uh maybe i'll tear up a bit i don't know maybe um, oh, for that for now i'm just beaming like an idiot um but yeah oh by the way i watch all episodes of the mandalorian standing up i'm just because you know what i mean like I, just so i'm ready to jump for joy essentially and that's crazy like i'm 32 recently turned 32 and let me tell you something everyone out there age doesn't matter and you are just every age of your life at all times like i'm still 17 i'm still 14 i'm still two i'm still nine you don't lose those years you just you just add another year of who you are like another identity reminds me of that tim impala song you know count the number of beings you are see how long it takes you yeah such a good line looking forward to that album anyway um yeah so um yeah so yeah the pacific northwest and the reason why is because for the longest time i i honestly saw myself this is like folks like getting real with you like my actual life plan was to move to Canada and just just like live in a cabin you know what I mean and just like move far away so this actually lends um my credence to this uh I don't know if it's this I I've hit upon something with this but um but essentially I've sat back down now it's okay <laughs> um but yeah I, I don't know if I've hit upon something with this but you know, I don't know if other folks maybe felt this with the first couple of um, episodes, but, you know, again, Star Wars is five things. If you boil it down, there's the, there's some of the, it's more, it's more because it encompasses the whole like human experience. But, you know, there's five kind of key ingredients. One of them is samurai films. The other is Westerns. The other is World War Two movies. Uh, then there's a fairy tale, right? And then there's science fiction. So combine all these five things and you have something that um gives the uh you know aesthetic um thematic and uh and sort of narrative elements of, of star wars right so that's kind of the beautiful ingredients and because of all that 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 fusion that's why it's so universal so many can so many people can come at it from so many different angles um and what's lovely is you can almost like pick one of those uh to, to tell a story within so fallen order very much felt like um i mean there were science fiction elements but uh it felt uh like almost so you can yeah and you combined a couple of those two it's like your main kind of ingredients for star wars right um and so my my theory is that uh some of the best instances of Star Wars whether it's in the films or the series feel as though they were written honestly in one of these genres and then adapted into a Star Wars story you know there's a uh, something I explored uh, I have explored really here and there um, about the very first Star Wars which is that it was you know you know there's the I think it's the Forbidden Fortress um, uh, which was one of Lucas's main narrative inspirations I believe, uh, and and also some certain shots in the, the, you know, the two Japanese peasants, kind of evoking, or uh, you know, three three PO and, and R two being kind of tributes to them, or having some uh, character aspects in common, um, and so I want to say, like, uh, as I was talking about, you know, the Pacific Northwest and everything, and so uh, what I, you know, this felt like, or, or rather, so far the whole series has felt like, this was a western with a couple of, um, this is a western. Right, as in, I really think about it. It's like okay, so Dave Filoni and um, 
and John Favreau, you know, they broke the story and, and they, they brought in everyone collaborating, like Bryce Dallas Howard. If, you know, and I, I just have this feeling that she was all over this, like there's such intimacy and such love poured into this episode, right? Um, uh, and, and that can only come out really honestly when you feel as though someone was just like so, and there's such a nurturing aspect to this episode, uh, but such a fierce episode, so like fiercely like protective, um, you know, this is like elements of the narrative of uh, uh, Omera, who is like the standout for me. She's so kindred, definitely reminds me of my fiance, Ray. Um, just will not take any guff, is just this calm, uh, uh, but also like vulnerability allowing character, so wonderful. I loved Sorgan. Like this, this place is just, it is, you know, metaphorically. Uh, and in some instances, you know, you can just see that directed this couple of shots that if you just um, panned a little bit to the left or right and you saw nothing Star Wars Z, as they say, um, it would just be a shot from like a Western, right? Um, I loved, I loved um, everything he spoke about, about his mask. And there was a line, and I think everyone knows about this if they've just finished the episode or just because it stuck with me is. You know, you can hear Pedro Pascal like choking up about like not wanting to leave or, or rather being like, it, it is beautiful here. He says that, you know, it's Omera is sort of gently, uh, you know, prompting him. And this is what Ray does for me. Like she doesn't outright do any like flare up dramatically or, or um, as some people do. Uh, that's not like, it, it, you know, it's it's that choice that she has made that's why they 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 sort of synced up a bit is they they've made this choice to just have this energy about life of just that's why she survived in fact in that first shot um that opening sequence i thought that like you know they would you know she had um they had run away uh but like that they had been the only survivors for a second like i was like oh you know and she had this intuition she was fighting she was running through the blasters to to get to her daughter and uh you know with you know the the universe's guidance or whatever or messaging rather is like she was not rewarded but she she experienced great danger and yet great safety at the same time because unlike the others who fled direct fled in fear in view of those clatoonians those uh those sort of dog-faced um uh, creatures or, or people um you know she she was right there next to them in that basket as safe as anything and yet as vulnerable as anything because they just couldn't see her. So some really great, um, uh, yeah, some great uh, sort of um, powerful, powerful messaging there because, you know, we often, you know, okay, <laughs> I'll just flow with what with what goes. Um, yeah, I, I often, I actually feel as though you are the safest when you're closest to, to the threat, if you think about it. You know, that's when, you know, there's that phrase like, keep your enemies close. Uh, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. What I mean that is like so danger, right? Symbolically, uh, symbolically danger, and and darkness, right? I think if you have an affinity for them, if you're if you're fearless, if you're close to them, if you dance with them, and you sort of aren't fleeing from them, you can really be in a space of, yes, you're more vulnerable to them because you're closer to them. There's more, um, and this is Mandalorian as well. Like he has this thing where it's like, and he even says it at the end. It's like this isn't the life for me like like for the child it's not the life for him and this isn't me kind of thing because i feel as though he has found comfort in that dance with with danger you know and we know omera has some kind of background which i'm really looking forward to exploring i think they, they can't just leave that out omera is too much of a badass like when they when everyone's like does anyone know how to shoot and she's like she raises her hand like slowly right just my favorite character probably from um from the Mandalore and so far in is no small no small wonder because it reminds me of my fiance um right um so yeah basically yeah yeah so so the whole feel the whole thing feels as though they sat down and they said let's we're just going to write a western series right literally so right now uh the razor crest is a horse um the baby is perhaps a, a native american child or or maybe a very important noble noble person's child um just to kind of what I'm what I'm doing with that is this sense of you know the child's very valuable, right? And so for the for the sake of this metaphor, yes, maybe again we're just th talking about maybe like literally like a '60s western here, you know, and this was filmed in the '60s, and so it's like they wrote a '60s western, and and this place uh, where they were able to flee to, you know, uh, um, the beginning of the episode was them looking like on a ridge at a map of like where can we go to hide and where where is this quiet place, and then that sequence of them moving there. 
was that was you know the big beautiful montage obviously ships can go way farther faster than horses so um so then yeah it would have just you know cut cut like together this beautiful montage of them getting there and then oh okay from arizona they went to freaking canada you know they went to freaking um uh you know vancouver you know or um bc right and so and so yeah british columbia so and 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 they arrive there you know they see the hunters lodges and everything right and so this badass bounty hunter guy this guy who wants to really just lay low and who's the secret soft heart like uh the secret secretly soft-hearted person you know looking after the, the baby which was one of my favorite things in my favorite sequences was that beautiful <laughs> beautiful little back and forth you know in the razor crest when she's like don't touch that you know so it was beautiful um but but then also yeah like you know just being a parent and being like okay so and then sits him on his lap and says what do you reckon you little womp rat you know like he's just he's a great dad yeah um it's no you know ray pulls me up on this or or rather i remind ray it's like i i have a a particular uh, um appreciation for like really awesome uh father figures or at least father father um i like um exemplary fatherhood kind of um moments uh yeah it's just like in, in my own life i've found i found myself wanting to see more of that and uh, yeah without getting too sappy it's like yeah there's some some dad stuff for me i mean we all have dad stuff but it's like when i see something of what i don't experience or haven't experienced before in my own life and i see it in like a in portrayed um i really form a connection with it so th- but that's just the first i mean omer is another Omer is leading the pack right now. She just needs to have her own series. She's, she's brilliant. Um, but the, the the whole culture on Sorgan is just my vibe, man. Like, and literally, I could I could pull up some like old freaking you know quote unquote life plans. You know how like your late teens or early twenties, you're like, this is how my life is gonna go. You know. And Ray and I have been to Canada. We loved it. And what was great is I went there. We went there, and it's like, this is great. And then it's like dot 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 right <laughs> and and you know again all all that, all that it is is everyone is just like this walking um potential like bundled up uh multiple strands of twine and we're just rolling around and and what that mean what i mean by that is like we are we are just we can go into so many so, so go down so many paths but in 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 many senses there is the path for us and you can feel it and i love how he says that it's like this is the way this is his unspooling of his of his life threads this is he how he knows he has to go and i love that you know because when you're putting together narratives it's funny like i always say this is like art is closer to life than anything and it is our greatest gift to ourselves and to the world and to each other um to allow us to know what the next step is and this is being told so beautifully monomythically with such like this is i could see this being uh, you know uh, if i was like uh, like a young kid or like eight years old nine years old or something like re- growing up with this i can rem- i can see in my mind's eye it's like i did a post yesterday about the rise of skywalker uh, reminding me literally it's like an 80s film that was um you know put in a capsule and um yeah and, and and sort of and then now jj has like found it like it was in lucasfilm's archives and they're releasing it in like 20 days um but this is that that feeling of that episode right so anyway so i'm just kind of flowing speaking of life threads i'm just flowing but uh <laughs> from one subject to the other as they come naturally but but yeah so that's what i mean so the the threads right oh my goodness i'm just so like it is it is that that good of an episode so allow me yeah let me just b- gain my bearings again so um so that's why uh yeah that's so that yeah so narrative threads is what i'm talking about right and how like yeah we went to canada and it just felt like okay you know what this is lovely but yeah like i i actually in my between making those plans to to move to canada and be basically like a quasi hermit you know and i was like oh stars in my eyes like i'm gonna move with this the pine trees and like canada's my favorite country and i really had built this up for like for like decades or, or probably what what feels like pretty much a decade and then in uh, in 2016 like 10 years after really first drawing those plans we went and it was lovely but in between those um those uh, making those plans and going to canada i became a different person or i discovered different sides to myself that felt truer to me than anything you know and you follow your truth in life right so all throughout this episode, I was hoping that his truth, I mean, and I know Bryce knew that. Bryce is hoping for us all to hope that he'll settle down, even though part of us knows it's like, well, like, 
would would that be him and would that be this story more you know but most importantly would that be uh him and would that be the child and would that be their truth right um and and i i will say at the very end i was like oh wow, she's gonna take the helmet off that's it it's gonna happen but you know alas and it but it however here's the here's the gold the gold folks is that it didn't feel contrived it didn't feel like, oh, that's it. He has to get off planet uh, because, you know, we have a series to do. And, and like it felt TV because that's when life gets or oh, sorry, that's when things get really Truman show where you're like, oh, we have this. We have to make this imposition. No, it felt uh, so that so that the narrative goes in the way so we can make the monies and make them more episodes. It's like, no, this felt again, just like a Western, you know, Sergio Leone would be beaming right now, just like clapping away and being like, yes, this is great. This makes sense because after they defended that village is it time i think it's time for another stand-up i have to stand up again okay <laughs> so when i was a kid i watched this movie and we're gonna get a few smiling faces i'm sure as i say this i watched this movie over and over again called a little movie called three amigos <laughs> okay <laughs> and and you know, I even had some weirdly like some Honey, I Shrunk the Kids vibes early on. I don't know, probably like tonal or, or visual or something. Or maybe the, the 80s-ness just got to me with like the Pacific Northwest and all that good stuff. But but like just for this uh, part, let's discuss. Oh, my God. Three Amigos. So I don't want to spoil Three Amigos for you. So it's Dustin. Uh, no, Dustin. Dusty is one of the characters' names. Sorry, not Dustin Hoffman. But no, it's um Martin Short, Chevy Chase and Steve Martin right uh, in this film and okay spoil spoilers for this movie that's like 30 plus years old uh and and skip like a skip a few times if you don't want to get three amigos spoiled for you or rather just literally pause this episode and go and watch it right now and then and then you can listen to the rest radio so so three amigos is this story about um it's very it's, it's a comedy right so that's why i'm laughing obviously if it was this big drama i wouldn't be like beaming as i am but no, there's this this story about these three actors who uh, are you know known in their films like worldwide or at least throughout America for being these warriors, these um, these not not desperados, but like um, yeah, these do-gooders. Like think think Zorro times three, right? And they they rove around and they save villages and they uh, you know uh, yeah rescue people and 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 all that all that fun stuff. And in that in that way where back then that's how people phrase things like rescue the maiden and all these things you know even though again in that story a very um omera like character who's just like the sassy person I, even though omera like just dominates anyone from from <laughs> any movie i'm kidding uh, but yeah no for reals um anyone from uh three Migos for sure but so no no there's this sequence where they're like oh you know um yeah, I don't want to spoil the movie though. Ah, uh, should I? Okay, all right. Even even more additional, further deep down spoilers for Three Amigos. Okay, but so they get to this. So so they're these actors. They're actors. They're not these roles. But this village who is besieged by these actual you know bandits in Mexico, um, uh, you know, see them on TV and they just make this connection. And it's obviously that's a bit narratively breezed over, <laughs> right? I, I think it may have been said in like the. 40s i think maybe earlier uh or rather ah, i can't remember I'll, I'll have to check it out but basically this the small village like they see these exploits these films and it really now that i'm really now that i'm thinking about it, it is extremely narratively breezed over the fact that these villages actually believe that these people are what they are because um, they see like a you know they she sees like a black and white film and she sees them researches them and like hires them so in the 80s you could get away with this nowadays gosh I would hate to think about some movies coming out nowadays that came out in the 80s and the insecurity, I'm sure, that probably would plague some of these filmmakers because in the 80s when you were making something, you know, you didn't have this chorus of fucking, you know, naysaying or, or nitpicking and all of that from the internet, which is one of the, you know, I love the internet from some point of view, but it is definitely a double-edged sword. And uh, talk about Albert's existential moments. Of, of realizing we'll never have that back that that idea that we could just make something accountability is great though it really has allowed for some beautiful things including the mandalorian so i think everything balances out in the end and, and is we're, we're on a, a good path i think uh, with the internet but anyway um so yeah so the they they go to mexico i think it's because they're 
their film deal didn't go through and they need money literally they need money so they get their they steal their costumes from the set and they go and they take this um request from this actual community in in mexico who's being threatened and and um right i'm just smiling because it's just so cool and when i saw it i just was like a ball of light inside because like this is so cool because you know like you know you, you you watch things you go through life you don't you don't want these you don't expect these moments to be handed out to you so when they happen like i'm just gonna like actually take just to because i can't i literally can't wipe it off my face so then i'm just gonna <laughs> there you go there's a little smiley face there a little selfie in the middle of like that and then this will be allow me to oh god such a doofus such a dork shout out to by the way um mary happy whatever which is another series i'm watching right now and heartwarming and 80s tastic in, in some respects i don't know christmas and the 80s are really tied in together for me and all the pine trees on on, on uh sorgar i think the planet is called like really have that vibe as well um and and you know that et commercial for uh um that brought back you know the actual uh, the actual guy from from ET was was wonderful and i don't know if i'm the only one out there but like look at uh, look at stranger things and you know there's the christmas lights in stranger things and there's the pine trees everywhere so the 80s and christmas just really freaking go to go well together and it this had 80s vibes everywhere with it but um but anyway back to the 80s back to fumigos they get there they get to the village and and obviously, they they actually think that it's an acting job. And so they do a little performance and they expect to be paid. And the village is like, no, no, no. We want you to actually legit defend us from, like, these bounty hunters. And the bounty hunters um, arrive. And they're like, no. And then they kind of, they peace out out of there. But then destiny or a variety of factors, I think Steve Martin also kind of begins to fall for the uh, quasi-Omera figure. The reason I say quasi is because Omera is just, like like quintillions levels more badass than than uh, anyone in, in um three amigos but yeah like that, that that figure of like that woman who's like who sees it who believes in the guy and the guy doesn't believe in himself or or doesn't see himself going down that path but then yeah and kara sorry hold on how has it been 25 minutes and i haven't freaking gina carano holy crap like one of the fucking coolest characters i've ever ever seen i'm sorry but like like that that intro first of all was amazing and it was just so classic and and oh like that that like i'm hiding oh you're hiding too oh i see okay okay so we're both hiding right 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 okay let's team up you know sort of thing uh because each of them thought that the was after the other you know which really works out and i think you know um very intuitively one of the podcasts i listened to um the resistance broadcast um you know mentioned that that's probably because they were speculating i think about how where things could go and things did go in that direction, so that's beautiful. But yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. In the okay, I'll finish the three amigos thing finally, so that we can move forward. <laughs> three amigos, um, and, and you know, at some point in the story, you know, they're trying to deal with this bandit thing, and and then so it's not they don't fight. Obviously, they're not fighters, but they're like we can teach them. And there's that moment in the Mandalorian in this episode. All right, okay, I'll get up literally for the third, third and final time, and I will finally get stuck in. Okay. <laughs> right so there is that moment folks um where you know they're like because gina is like yep so it's it's too dangerous you know there's the the walker that you guys didn't tell us about this is not good um and yeah so we can't do it and then the mandalorian's like we can teach them which is really really rad um and and she and by the way like she wasn't advocating like running for running sake she's like again has this thing of being a, a pragmatist and like a really great strategist and but like they they're they're collaborators you know and i love how they've they've developed this collaboration together uh the mandalorian and kara and and they're just so good together as like as like this badass team you know just fantastic so and, and he was able to see and she was able to see things that he couldn't and he was able to see things that she couldn't and that's how really good partnerships work and and same with uh, omera and and mando who i again part of me this is like whew, calming down for a second part of me really thinks that they because of her like uh, i mean i just think even though there's this bittersweet quality because she has a daughter and he has the baby and again folks what am i saying like you could just see an 80s or a 90s movie talk about this is like well they each have a child right and they each have these sides to them you know omera with her weapon skills 
and her vibe and like you just there's this ah oh, this little you feel your heart pulled towards this notion that wouldn't it be wonderful if they were were able to make it all work out and look honestly i will always keep my 80s loving optimism loving <laughs> a little bit idealization loving heart open to the idea of like yeah there you go boom they're all going to be on this that's it it's like the mandalorian family it's going to be like come on we all envision that for them like upgraded razor crest expanded so that like it can have a whole family in it or something or they get a new ship maybe and so it's her and him and then the little baby maybe yoda and the daughter who like and that's just and then it would be lost in space <laughs> i suppose you know with this family but um yeah so my heart is I, I i leave a little creek open in that narrative pathway for that to occur but but anyway i had i had a, a really like truly kindred and beautiful heartwarming moment um when when that's how the narrative took you know uh, that, that's where the narrative went about teaching them to protect themselves was beautiful and gina perfect for it you know a uh, cara cara dune um the you know the nurturer slash warrior slash teacher which is fantastic and again that aspect definitely reminds me of ray as well and like the take no guff and folks <laughs> he, he he shot that wall she barreled through it she is a freaking battering ram she is badass this is a, i feel like i'm in another dimension or something because so many times i've um the only you know god of war and fallen order seriously uh, I, nothing else is coming to mind where it's like i go in and it's just one for one and exceeds my expectations it exceeds my hopes and dreams seriously like that's what we're talking here with mandalorian and and i always say this about really large super successful po properties that could really afford to coast as as some properties have done afford to coast and half-ass it because they have the brown power and and sticking to that but i and just not not exerting themselves and just taking the money because this just there you go star wars is this accepted thing but folks like john favreau recognize that the reason it's not just in the name and what has been done right it's the definition of not sitting on your laurels it's the definition of like no 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 direction it's like a bike it's the the choice between having the balance and stability and forward momentum from um well, quite simply, if you don't move forward, you don't get to have that balance and you don't get to go into new places. So so my analogy, my metaphor here is, you know, to move, to, to have that sense of who you are, right? To, to move forward as, as who you are, you need to, yeah, literally move. You can't just sort of sit and be like, this is who I am and, and be like, isn't it great that this is who I am? And, and in that sort of boasting and basking way you can't and so and so john and that's why serials work so beautifully because there's such this there's this drive about where they can go and i love that they're already working on season two but um here's a weird analogy but maybe it works is um think of you know something is alive when it's moving right and, you know if you're scanning somewhere in like this you know movement scanner it's like oh oh wow, it's moving so like you can see it. it it shows up on the radar right to show up on life's radar you need to move you need to be moving. You need to be doing stuff, and um, and to be interesting to yourself, to be dynamic, to be uh, to be to be exploring, to be moving moving out and outwards and I inwardly, and and to just be exploring new territory. You need to keep moving. And and, and Favreau was like, yeah, this is this is a, hey, we've harnessed what Campbell talked about, which even before Campbell, the Vedic scripts, which before even that, the storytelling, like we've harnessed that. We clearly clearly have, but hey. It isn't just a fairy tale and it isn't just serialized um you know it's what was beautiful about all of this and and shout out to kathleen kennedy as well for this because she said look i i also share everyone's collaboratively you know disney and, and everyone i share their vision of everything you know moving outside of this genre and like star wars isn't just this genre and john favreau proves that even though there's some monomythic elements it very much is you know out of those five ingredients uh, you know, it's like a pie chart and you just, you choose and pick, right? So obviously with Rogue One, the chunk of the pie chart that the dump, the, 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 the pie chart dominating element was the World War II aspect film and that sort of, and here's another thing, folks, little teaser, right? So we have those five, but then each of those five have little mini branches. So you dive, um, or, or further, uh, denominations so you so with the Cassian series, for example, very much is going to be, so you zoom in on that World War II area of the pie and then another little um branch opens and it's going to go into the noir right it may even 
grow to be its own other thing but i think those five pillars are going to be the main one and you can dive into each of these we might and again you mix these brand you, you mix these elements that's why this is going to be beautiful so say say someone in like 20 years sits down and says i want a brand new star wars thing okay let's look at the five ingredients right all right i want to do a noir samurai movie or i want to do um you know a, a spy fairy tale or like you can just mix and match but as long as you're, you're coming back to those five right and this is where I say a little mini thing. I won't go into it as, as, as long as I usually go. So that, right? And I love my Lynch's and I love my Kojima's, but there's no, uh, you know, messing with the foundation. I love messing with foundation within the, the right context, but not with this, right? It's literally like adding salt to sh to to um to cornflakes. I love some salty food. I love cornflakes, but I am not gaining anything by saying like, look at me, I'm such an artist by putting salt in cornflakes. And yes, I'm talking about the last Jedi. And yes, I'm referring to that dumb line where it says this is salt and just that was just such a bad that's why it wasn't tasty right the analogy of food really works a lot <laughs> for creative things right you can't m mix mismatched ingredients if you want something beautiful and lasting and that creates great memories but anyway this was beautifully laid out beautiful like a, like wow this is speaking of pathways so many so many avenues i can go into um but yes so let's Let's dive off of what I was just talking about, just for continuity's sake. But yes, yeah, so um, uh, yeah, the the path that obviously I would have wanted for, for for Mando, or part of me would have wanted, was was for, for them to work things out on on, on um, Sogar. I think that the, the planet is. Please don't. I'm so sorry if I'm forgetting the planet. I I, I should look it up, or Sogar or whatever. But but that's okay. And that and that felt natural, and it felt beautiful, and and, and exceptionally well written. And but that's only. I'm just scratching the surface. In, even though we've, we're almost, yeah, with 35 minutes, I'm just scratching the surface of this particular episode. Such a generous episode. I loved also the world building aspects of like, yeah, you know, those droids that help you like catch the krill. Yep. And I love how they use the word krill farmers. That was beautiful. Uh, by the way, I'm not scrubbing through anything. This is literally because it burnt itself into my brain. So I'll be tagging Bryce Dallas Howard in this episode's, you know, notification. Uh, to you know via social media and all that um because yeah it was so beautifully beautifully composed um the moment with the atst rising up uh again i i didn't talk about this but you know early on there's these, these wonderful elements that tie beautifully right and and this is you know johnny fabs johnny fabs mate fucking johnny fabs <laughs> legend come to australia man happy to interview at some point oh also i have a little teaser for who i'll be speaking to on the next episode um and they are directly involved with something uh star wars related so there's a little mini mini episode teaser right there for the next one um the atst moment my gosh ah come on now i mean come on <laughs> okay <laughs> let's just let's just Let's just let like like we're not kidding around here with this. We are not kidding around. The teaser at the begin, or rather the presaging. This is what I want to say. Now getting back on track, you know, to really, to really, um, to really key in and um, and and discuss how beautifully narratively laid out this was. And Johnny Favs, yep, you know, uh, he said about these serials, and if you watched certain episodes of, um you know television is there's an element especially with these you know the sat the matinee the you know i remember this from like action man and stuff like there'd be something uh, introduced or rather the best episode would the best episodes would because they would have a sense every single second of this episode's runtime was used so beautifully and so generously not a scene was wasted beautiful economy of expression right and again we can't take that for granted when he takes his helmet off to enjoy his food or rather to have his food right that explanation to Umera about how long it's been you know and and why he doesn't remove his helmet beautifully handled and you could just feel and this is by the way you know Adam Driver I think he they, they talked about masks he talked about masks with Kylo Ren and Juilliard and it's a real thing man like the ability to emote with voice and and facial gestures like this is a that's what elevates this i think to some uh, you know i mean i can't recall a tv series where a masked character was the main lead and, and who is portrayed compellingly so that actually does have this again see that experimental aspect but within the five within the pillars within this classical storytelling format and this and that's why you know lucas he is 
in many ways, Lucas, that's why he asked Lynch to do uh, Return of the Jedi. Isn't this interesting, folks? Like, so Kojima, Lucas, that's why they have these uh, kindred aspects to them. But you make a choice at some point, and, and he made the choice to to, pro to provide his um, narrative structure as the monomyth. There's, there's no messing with narrative. Like, Kojima messes with narrative, right? And Ryan Johnson, I don't know what that was. Um, yeah, to this day, uh, it'll just be this mismatched ingredients. But I think there was, an, there's, again... Uh, some monomythic aspects, but just uh, flawed, <laughs> flawed and mistaken uh, and um, irreconcilable uh, combinations of elements. In that, with this, everything reconciled very beautifully, and everything came back to itself really beautifully. This circularity, right? So, monomythic stories, especially with serial storytellings like chapters and even episodes, you know, ch chapters in the saga. Um, episodes in the saga, as you may, it, they have this thing of being like fractals. And so the fractal thing is like it, the shape. And this is actually, you know, Rumi said this is like, um, you know, you're not a droplet in the ocean. Uh, you are the ocean inside another, in, inside a droplet, you know. And what that is, is uh, if you looked, if you zoomed in on yourself and this, you know, that's, this is my thing behind like everything's atoms ultimately. So as within, so without that, that kind of theory, which is to say that an episode is itself a microcosm of the macrocosm of the whole series, right? And the macrocosm of the whole galaxy and all these things. Um, so with this, it felt like a, a going, a going out from, so a beginning at a place and then coming back to that place, which which was the village and which was the situation with um, the villages. So it begins again with everything in turmoil and then it ends with everything in celebration. And, and you might be like, Albert, you're just like saying these grand sweeping statements about how narrative is usually functions. It's like, I, I wish I could say that if it, I wish I could say that it was done this well and this beautifully and this masterfully and classically and, and, but still with these really interesting elements of, I mean, Pedro, 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 my man executes this, executes this role of the Mandalorian my word like it's again speechless I, I i i concede to that i concede uh to the fact that i have never seen someone holds um hold the screen and uh, engage with the audience and uh tap into his own emotions and tap into the audience emotions as as um as emotively and as well simply as masterfully really as um as pedro is doing with with the mandalorian with the mando yeah several moments all throughout this and and you know i'm sure alongside the, the rest of the audience um you know the hope of uh, of seeing the dude because we have this again we're humans you know we don't go through life with masks and in fact that could be the wider message of this episode or, or the, of this series so far it's like you can't go life you can't, you can't go throughout life with a mask it, it has at a certain point the mask has to come off and i love how this is being used narratively and thematically um and in the behind the scenes materials a lot of the uh Pedro discusses this is like he's wearing he's wearing a mask to himself as well not just to the out, outer world right and we learned from this episode very clearly stated that he was taken in by the mandalorians right and he refers to them as an out outwards entity so not he didn't say i was taken in by other mandalorians no right so he's another example of he's basically like the boba fett who was Ooh. oh actually no no that doesn't work narratively i was going to say oh it could build up towards a reveal of, of but no it's totally different timelines so it is a different character his name has been revealed um and spoilers if you don't want to know it uh I th i'm just going to see if i can remember it just skip forward um i think it's um din din jara that's his name din jaron yep that, that's his that's the character's name and um so I love that he's also, he, yeah, he's like the Boba Fett, but that who was embraced by the Mandalorians and became one legitimately instead of just finding armor. Or again, that still hasn't been fully explained in canon. In in Legends, it's been given these reasons and all these other things, but uh, that's yet yet to be seen uh, with those characters. But it's very much the Mandalorian's story, and and hearing that was, um, yeah, it brought it brought some more clarity, and it definitely edified me about the character more um from the point of view of like his his vulnerability and uh his outsider-ness 
even among the Mandalorians. And that also gives, again, great stories also retroactively give, um, you know, previous scenes more depth and more um, substance, you know? So already I, I know that w watching through this whole series, which by the way, I'm watching these episodes on my own. I watch them again with Ray and then occasionally I'll just throw them in again, throw them on again. And again, this is um, not a fandom thing. It's not a, I don't have anything better to do thing. It's just simply because that monomythic quintessential human experience aspect, which is like, I resonate with this. This has timeless elements. This has ever evergreen, ever renewably relevant and beautiful and um, kindred. And yeah, I, I gotta say, like human elements to this story, that that's why people are, are brought back. And John Favreau was like, "Yep, see, that's why. See, folks, that is why people come to Star Wars. It's not because, quote unquote, it's Star Wars, which is the dumbest reason. I do this thing because of this thing. It's like, no, like, what are you doing? Like, you define my, you do, you define who you are by what you continuously do. That goes with that uh, statement about like you are the five people that you hang out with the most. You know." It, it, again, we talked about pie charts before. It's like that is a huge part of what defines you, right? And um, and and so John, like he closed him closed himself into this beautiful creative group with these other folks who felt the same way about Star Wars. And this is, oh, I don't think I have to tell you that this is going to have absolutely deep reaching, far ranging, and inherently like overall enhancing effects on Star Wars folks. We're, we're talking about more than just a beautifully well-executed TV series here. We're talking about a um, creative entity rediscovering its identity, number one, but then also discovering the next step, which is also beautifully meta because this is what's happening with this character. He's discovering himself and he's discovering his next steps. Stunning, just beautiful, beautiful. Folks, um, I could go on and on, and I'm sure I will in future episodes. Um, but yeah, this has been real. This has been wonderful. And um, thank you so much for tuning in. If you wanted to um, keep in touch, uh, it's Star Wars Mythology pretty much everywhere. Um, on Twitter, it's The Star Wars Myth. So you can tweet to me there. And um, now it's time for me to tease with you. Uh, it's not, it's not going to be a teaser because it's coming out pretty soon. I'm actually recording it tomorrow. Um, I will be speaking with Mr. Daniel Roebuck, who played Grease um, in Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. He and I have been exchanging uh, details on Instagram. I expressed this to Tina uh, Ivlev, I believe, who played Marin. I expressed this ri ri like ridiculously awesomely uh, like to... Uh, my gosh, the second sister. Again, another character like Trilla. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, badass. Also, yeah, like mini spoilers. Like I just said two words with no with no context, so you don't know what I'm talking about. So, but if you haven't finished the game, make sure you're, you know, you're skipping through these things. Um, so, so that's gonna be great to to kind of go over some details with him. And and this episode actually has been a lot about gratitude, and a lot about dream come true situations. And if you go back through Albert Studios posts, which is um another Instagram hand, uh, handle that I have, um, like six months ago, probably even, um, around about E3, I, I sort of wrote this post pretty much about Greece. You know, uh, this was before I knew Daniel. Uh, this is before I um, knew that he played the role. And I expressed, I was like, so when I saw this character speak, and he's the standout performer from that um, that whole experience which was the majesty which was full in order which is it's it's insane that it's not getting nominated for the game awards but that's okay it's going to be the game of the year for like a million outlets including mine it's my like without a doubt my game of the year personally but so Grease, uh, I, I sensed something when i first saw him like he, even like and again you get these little cues and you know sometimes they can be guides sometimes they're red herrings but in this case it was a guide so and this might sound strange, but like just his clothing, right? So Grease is wearing this thing, which just, it just looks like, he looks like straight up like designed by, um, you know, the art departments from the eighties, you know, and that Drew Struzan quality, right? And his, his like his jumpsuit has that weirdly, you know, in, in the uh, super early Star Wars, you know, they were kind of recycling old costumes and it had, so some of the costumes uh, from, or the outfits from, from the uh, 77, almost said 44, huh? not that far back the 77 star wars were lo on loan from doctor who 
I think, or, or, or kind of sci-fi, more sci-fi-ish kind of things. They were just in the back and, and like, you know, the British film crew were like, hey, mate, you know, we got to get these guys wearing something. So here you go, this thing from Doctor Who or whatever. And when I saw Grease wearing that, it just had that, it just, it's pure, it's pure 80s. Look at his jumpsuit, man. Like, it's just fantastic, like 80s. And it has almost, like, really almost leaning into that, that, um, that science fiction you know with the just with the the padding or whatever it just you know so i so i took that cue i was like okay so that's that's interesting then i saw his emotive eyes and i saw um uh you know his his almost like um albert einstein kind of like shock of hair at the back right so it's actually good that i get a bit of this out of my system in this first episode so that i'm not diving too far into it with with daniel because his time is very valuable and um and yeah i'm looking forward to seeing more grease in, in the next fallen order but uh, or, or the next Jedi title, which we know is coming, the ongoing adventures of the the Mantis crew. But, uh, but yeah, so no, I I absolutely connected with that character, and it it and again very much like the Mandalorian. It was that sense of like, oh wow, I you know, because I, I saw the Mandalorian panel um, live actually. I was in Chicago. I was watching on my laptop because by then I you know because I didn't have the five four four or five day pass or whatever, so I was watching it. Um, I watched both panels in my hostel, my Chicago hostel. This is. A, some fairy tale level stuff guys you know the idea that because i i think it's because i've just been so i've been disappointed before i, I remember feeling uh so so amped about the lone ranger and being like yeah we're gonna we're gonna see it's gonna be portrayed so beautifully respectfully like tonto and it's gonna be so self-aware and it's gonna be all these things and then like that film turned out how it did and several other occasions and i'll i'll, I'll put a little bit of pacific rim into this and a little bit of um uh, Jurassic World uh, as well. Again, they're not the worst, especially not Pacific Rim because Pacific Rim really grew on me. But I remember coming out of these films and just having this sense of... And, and in, so Pacific Rim went up and then Jurassic World went kind of downish, really. Um, uh, but you just... you Yeah, so... And also, we have to also make space, folks, for like when someone's sharing their opinion, it's just... It really is just their opinion. And, and I would be... I would be dismayed to find that everyone agreed uh, on these things because it would just it would speak to how people didn't have variety in them. And, and for some people, this episode probably didn't work for them and they love Jurassic World or, or they love uh, The Lone Ranger and all these things, right? But just speaking for myself, and it's just about who you can connect with. So not speaking down to anyone's thoughts or whatever because, again, you could have strong opinions against what I take away. Again, we're all just getting along here expressing our love for art and entertainment, right? Um and timeless storytelling, right? And so Bryce shares uh, involvement with both of those projects. It's it's almost like a different person, really. And and it has it, ha it has to come down to this, folks: creative voice, right? And a sense of being in touch with the one-to-one -one nature of storytelling. I'm sitting across to you. I may be broadcasting this to more than one person. I've seen some of the plays. You know, it's received. Uh, on the this one previous episode uh, you know 35 plays or something so I know that I reached at least more than one other person and that's fine and this is with audiences large and small but what it does come down to and it's amazing how, how often uh, you know this is lost touch with but it comes down to one person sitting across literally like a fire or whatever and then speaking directly into the eyes of another person and when you lead a story from that point of view, when it doesn't feel, um, you know, group thought, when it doesn't feel designed by committee, when you're actually saying the audience is one person, it's really important to say that the audience is a, is a person. It's not a group of people. All right. And, and Bryce was all over that with this. And I think Jurassic World, for example, had a sense of the audience being this and it, it tries to tap into some meta aspects of like yeah you're all lapping this up right the indominus and all these things right i'll talk a bit more about this on jurassic uh kingdom the jurassic podcast i do but there was a sense of it, of yeah just being out of touch with the flow of how someone and by the way we all we're all living our arcs right now we're all living our our own monomyths right now it's just how life is we have a closed lifespan from birth life death right and so uh when you honor that arc you connect with the human being. And that's why series really work beautifully because they are these fractals, as I mentioned. And this episode felt like a birth life and then 
a continuation, you know, as, as is the best way to think about death. It's not an end, it's a continuation and a beginning of the cycle again. That's where, you know, um, uh, reincarnation theories and stuff come up, come from. And that's what we're, we're doing with each episode. It's like beginning, middle, end, and then beginning, middle, end, beginning, middle, end. And she just had a, such a mass. I just haven't seen it. I, I mean, to the point where it just pulled me out of, like I hadn't recorded a podcast for like almost four weeks or something, almost a month, definitely been a month since. Um, and it just pulled me right into wanting to discuss it and writing, right into wanting to celebrate it and to recognize it and to uplift it and to just, and, and as best as I'm able to, you know, um, in my own way, uh, sort of look at each part of it and, and express my, gratitude you know for how beautifully it was handled like seriously Bryce like this was amazing and this is Star Wars and this is storytelling it really is you know you you connected with the audience the one person you had a sense of where the characters uh, are at and and where everything would flow naturally you know for each of them and you pulled it out of heartstrings so so um uh masterfully right and so humanly there's so much humanity in this story right and and i will say it's like i just think you have uh, a creative spirit and a like this is i think it was her directorial debut now this is a difference even filoni by the way filoni like i get his vibes even he would say is like yo i'm literally just starting it's cool like and he comes from animation and stuff even though he he, he nails so much of his animation stuff love that first episode but in terms of a directorial debut, yeah, I just really want to, and and you know, her dad. <laughs> I don't know how it is with how it was with with um with Filoni, and he did like considering everything. Filoni, oh my god, nailed that first episode. He really did. Considering like no experience with that, but uh it, it, before with animation, but I, I, we have to we have to speak to the fact that like to Bryce's dad it is Ron Howard, right? And Ron is is a fantastic filmmaker i believe is an oscar-winning filmmaker so he definitely has passed on some stuff um also a little shout out to willow which by the way even though it was directed by ron howard oh my god like that is 80s camp right to its fringe for me it's like me and my friend tom watched that i'm gonna have him on on an episode of interactive artistry soon you'll 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 love him um, he loves Baldur's Gate and other such games. So we talked about it and it's like, oh my God, this is at the very fringe of my... And because we were laughing all throughout because of how like kind of like bad, good, bad it was with Willow. But then he made a beautiful mind and like he really honed himself. And Solo was what it was. I've, I've discussed that before. It's just, it was an entry. And so it's... It, and it was, a, it was a fairly good time. Definitely had a better time than uh, with it overall than Last Jedi. But um. But no, yeah. So he he passed this on, or, or rather, she she has the maybe the genes, as they sometimes say. It's like she has those genes, directing genes. Um, and and I will, I'm just gonna seriously for the second time, I will say it, it's like uh, the fact that she is a woman had this aspect, which it's we have these tendencies that has nothing. It's not a sexist thing. It's just a, what we each have energetically in terms of like gender gender energy. We all have like some dudes have fe feminine energy, some women have masculine energy, right? So that. And they have these uh, archetypical uh, foundational, like, like it's just, you can't really dispute it, really, because the energy, again, it's just the vessel can be whatever the hell it is. You can be a nurturing dude. You can be a hard-headed woman, right? It just doesn't matter. But the energy of the feminine, and, and Bryce is a very feminine uh, uh, person, very feminine woman, right? She taps into that. That's her guiding energy, yeah? And, and this was... Gosh, it was my favorite. I mean, De Deborah like nailed it like with the last episode. I love that so much, and I cannot wait to see what she does with um um. Oh my god! If I'm thinking about it, like the, the 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 jump up in the air, like Deborah opened that freaking door, and then Bryce strode through. You know what I mean? This just needs to be directed by Deborah and Bryce. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I'm just trying to say that all Star Wars should be directed by women. I really am trying to say that. It's just, they, I don't know, it's just, so far those two episodes have had just, and also 2 was so good. This 2 is actually Ray's favorite. She loved 2, you know, the egg, the monomythic aspect, but she's going to be all over this one when we see it in a couple of hours again together. 
but yeah just shout out to these phenomenal female directors i really just think it's just something it's like and i say this i'm very op fairly open about it it's like i just think women make just it's not a white knighting thing it's not a smoke blowing thing or trying to get into good books or brown nosing whatever all that crap is i just always feel as though they just have this they have this ah ability to just click into the needs of something that's why we should have more female leaders i swear to swear to, it's just i swear to evolution how about that not even God. I, I swear to God as well. I swear to the universe, but I swear to freaking evolution because evolutionarily, look at lemurs, look at so many uh, species where it's like, yeah, they just say, like, the woman just knows. Like, we can defer to that. That's fine. It's not a mark on your masculinity, right? To just be like, yep, they, they know because they're really aware and they have these, because evolutionary, they were minding, like, they had to, like, they were the swiveling head to just be like, where's the mammoth? Okay, and then they pointed to it and then the dude is like, I'm the spear and they go kill, like, the, the mammoth right and they were they were this team that's the masculine feminine for me it's like this just women make fantastic leaders and and this is an incredible example of that it just it's straight up is so both deborah and bryce my goodness um and and deborah being given i mean you can't no like come on deborah being given her whole series that is we are seeing deborah on the ascendant right and and it's a it is a testament to who, who you give that series to but i also would love to see more from bryce but Oh my god, I cannot wait for that Obi-Wan series as well. And then Cassian, we haven't even talked about that. It is truly a beautiful time for storytelling. And again, if as long as an issue you should do this in life, really, you should have this sense of wanting to be who you like move to be who you are. Define yourself by what you do. And I love that Star Wars is back to that instead of coasting on the name to some to some degrees, which I've seen here and there. Um, which they've just, they're like, you know what, we tried that, uh, it just, it was a bit icky, right, to, to try and just sit back and be like, we're Star Wars, we're Star Wars, you'll love this, we're Star Wars, you'll love this, no, now they're in the 80s again, they have to earn it again, and if you, and I swear, overall, Star Wars, in my, in, in my good graces, now it's in my absolute best graces, this is, this is leading the way, truly, and it has stepped back into its mantle as the world's, like, leading, uh, kind of collaborative, combined um you know connected all connected mythology that sort of taps into all these cultures and speaks to all these cultures because of these shared elements it stepped back into that and and johnny johnny favs oh man i just want him to just focus on this like he's he's he's, he's tremendous at this and deborah's amazing and and um oh, and feloni's amazing and then and, and and bryce is amazing and everyone's so good so good also uh, okay um i i probably should move to the move to the rest of the day but yeah i've never i've really never i've honestly never experienced something like this not just for a podcast recording but for kind of anything on tv and definitely anything from star wars unless i can say it was back in the 80s or back in the early 90s or mid 90s or whatever when i first saw those vhs's this had vhs vibes uh, all over it which was is my highest compliment because um I am talking, but now instead of the impositions of the uh, of of the actual limitations, back in the eighties, like there was this economy of expression that came from actual limitations. And I, I you know, I'll say this: it's like now, with this age of everything we have, it's a, it's about uh, the rules that you make for yourself. And you know, you can dip like, as I said, like when when you realize that you can do everything it can bring on existentialism it can bring on uh, you know excess you know it can bring on listlessness um and so i think uh, i think jack white talked about this is like if there's no limitations it, it's just not a real thing like i just if there's no if there's no struggle then there's no friction there's no there's no spark right there's no hitting of the flint to create the flame you need that friction with your materials and i said this i said this uh, on episode freaking 1 or whatever of 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 Star Wars mythology that limitations are 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 what like give birth <laughs> to to the most worthwhile things like we have our existence because of the the laws of physics you know I would be so much less compelling if I was just a floating glob of atoms or whatever like I I'm I'm at least maybe I I. I I humor myself that I'm compelling because I'm actually speaking and I have organs and I have hands and I'm like, I'm engaging your attention right now because I have, I might like, I have to take a breath. I have to be sitting down. I have to eat food. Like, oh, like this life, life is permitted by these rules, 
right? You need these foundation rules, otherwise there's no connection, otherwise there's no continuity, otherwise there's no meaning, right? And Johnny, in those series, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll shout out this one aspect, right? As I tie things off. You know, when he's he's got the the viewfinder, he's, he's, he, and by the way, you can so clearly t see that he's not clicking any button. It's just so great because it's just, it's so, it's so 80s with its budget. It's just like, yeah. And, and so when he goes into first person view, that just felt so like, and it, it, like, even that shaky thing, it just felt so like, yep, yeah, there you go. You know, took an iPhone or something and then just added some things. It had that kind of janky kind of quality, right? Jankiness, again, is the thing where it's like, oh, I'm going to make something structured with jankiness, you know, right? Which all too often people have like very established budgets and huge soaring budgets and rules. They make something janky. Isn't that funny? So, and that's why, you know, with the lightsaber, perfect example, it's this thing that was like a torch a torch s cylinder or whatever, and they just found it in the back room. Boom, timeless imagery that is just that defined this beautiful, it knows what it is kind of quality uh, to, to what a lightsaber is and to what all these things are. So John Favreau just sensed that. He's like, yeah, this was, this is, and he, he was so gentlemanly about it. He was like, yeah, I just noticed that this is kind of what I haven't seen for a while with this. He's been so classy about it. And, and really folks, this was, very much not just about this episode which bryce again big hand to you deborah cannot wait like i'm i'm actually oh, yeah i'm more stoked about deborah's like freaking obi-wan series oh my goodness and it is again I have, i'll say it again and again it's a testament that she was handed this so we're gonna see some amazing stuff from all these amazing creators and all these amazing women all these amazing um passionate storytellers right so so it's going to be beautiful. All right, folks, this has been real. And it, and it actually went further. Again, I just I, I express myself one to one as honestly as I feel towards something with you because what's the point otherwise? Um, so I, if I went over, I went over. So there you go. But folks, it's been wonderful. Um, Star Wars mythology everywhere. The Star Wars myth on Twitter. Um, and yeah, have a wonderful upcoming week. Uh, I don't know when I'll be recording next, but uh, take good care. And until next time, May the force be with you, always.